I tend to try very hard not to use the words AI when I speak, mostly because um, I believe that it is a undefined or ambiguous term. The phrase I tend to use a lot is machine learning because machine learning is one of many techniques to achieve uh, a higher order intelligence. Um, and, and in machine learning over the last uh, decade, the technique that is the most prevalent driving a lot of the things we're seeing is deep learning. Hello and welcome to the AdPod. Today we're talking about AI and digital marketing and I'm joined by the Chief Strategy Officer from Crowd, ex-Googler of 16 years, an all-round online legend who usually goes by only their first name, Avinash Koshik. AI, where do you start? It's been around a while, but the awareness of its application has become more prominent in recent years, largely owing to ChatGPT and the like. Today, we talk about the semantics of AI definitions. We also talk about where opportunities lie within digital advertising and whether AI will take over all of our roles. Plus, there's lots more. In true podcast hope style, please don't forget to like or subscribe to whatever you listen to this. It really helps the podcast continue to grow. I've loved diving deep into this topic over the past six months, particularly for some of our more advanced clients. And it was great to chat about it with Avinash, who is knowledgeable, practical, and eloquent on it. Anyway, all that leads me to say is that I hope you enjoy this episode of The AdPod. Hi, Avinash. Welcome to The AdPod. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me, Wayne. No, thank you for having you on. I'm really looking forward to discussing um, AI and digital marketing today. So it should be a good one. Uh, but before we do get into it, for those who might not know you, do you mind giving a quick intro into your career and then what you do now? Yes, of course. Uh, so I'm the Chief Strategy Officer at Crowd. Uh, I'm responsible for engineering, uh, uh, for analytics, strategy, and M&A. Uh, so it's, a, it's sort of an expansive role. Uh, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm having a lot of fun because uh, Crowd has such amazing assets in terms of tools. Uh, and, and we'll talk about AI in a little bit. Immediately prior to Crowd, I, I spent about 16 years at Google working in the product organization and the sales organization and marketing organizations in different roles, working with sort of the top 100 companies on the planet and helping them think about marketing and analytics fundamentally differently. You know, everybody from Unilever to American Express to Chanel to Remax, just very exciting, diverse challenges every day. You wake up every day new challenge to worry about <laughs> so it keeps life interesting uh and, and prior to that i, I worked at uh, direct tv into it uh, for a few years for dhl in saudi arabia um so it's it's been sort of a exciting career um when i my mom asks me what i do i say i help people make better decisions um, i think that's a that's sort of that common thread across all these things <laughs> love it love it and um yeah excited to get into sort of particularly how AI is going to impact some of those better decisions potentially going forward. Um, but one of the things we're sort of asking our guests this year on the podcast is just so that our listeners get to know them a little bit better, an interesting fact about themselves. So I'd love to know if you have like an interesting fact, which maybe not many people know. One of the things that I've, I've found sort of is changing with our generation is that um, all of us are going to have many different careers and the pace of change is accelerating really, really fast. Um, um, especially in tech, everything you knew three months ago is a lot less relevant now. Uh, and three months from now, things will be dramatically different. So one of the things that, that a lot of people might not know is I spend about four hours a week learning something new. So I, I set aside time and it's, it's not just about like marketing and analytics. But I'll listen to inspiring speakers or there's a particular person who writes a, a food blog in France that I use Google Translate. And uh, it's a way that they communicate that I found so interesting. Or I'll read a book about negotiation or psychology. So it's not just like a, I'm learning every week a new analytics technique, which does happen in many weeks. But uh, a lot of times, uh, every week, four hours, learning something new so so I can keep I can stay 
I can stay above the drowning line with all the change that's happening about the world. It's how I can say, pick a different career, uh, how I can change the paths, how I can make sure as AI takes away all our jobs, as people are worried about. And by the way, <laughs> don't freak out about it. But, but let you know, in that melodramatic thing, like I can always sort of pivot and move. So I, I, think, I think it's something very important to keep investing in your own growth and learning. And I don't mean just in the narrow confines of the career you currently have. That's great. And I imagine you find there's um, some interconnectedness to it. So things you might learn in French cooking, you might be actually able to apply in right. salsa dancing or whatever, <laughs> sort of whatever it might be. So yes, yes, no, no, I agree, I agree. Because at the end of the day, uh, you, all of us actually, whether I'm a, a mechanic, or I'm an IT worker, I'm a bus driver, I'm, a, I'm an architect, I, I think at the end of the day, most of us humans are in the business of persuading in the persuasion business it's just we persuade around different things bosses workers uh, clients and so i think that you find those connective tissue that that makes you more empathetic that makes you think about a different way to talk about something or a new way to approach a solution um, and so you do you do actually end up finding that connectivity uh, more often than not i, I do a lot of uh, keynotes uh, you know and actually not a lot now um, I learned a lot. Uh, some of the techniques I use actually come from stand-up comedy. This analytics guy, why would he spend watching some of the analytics, uh, sorry, uh, stand-up comedians, this beginners or experts. Uh, but there's like a particular way Ricky Gervais says something that I was like, hmm, I'm going to try it. Like it's a really interesting way to make a point or make a pause. So I, I'm, I'm fascinated by these things. Love it. I love it. And I, I know we'll get into some of the how things are connected a bit later. Um, but, but one of the things we'd like to start with on the podcast is just defining the terms we'll be talking about. And I think particularly about AI, I think that's an important task to do because people hear the term and it means different things to different people. So it'd be great to hear from you, someone who you know who's um, an expert within it. Like, how do you define AI? And, and then in particular, in digital marketing? So... Uh, uh... I tend to try very hard not to use the words AI when I speak, mostly because um, I believe that it is a undefined or ambiguous term. Uh, for most people, uh, AI means um, an intelligent machine. And now what does that mean? Um, people haven't thought it through. Also, people confuse AI and automation. So AI is just like the thinking part, and the robot coming to hurt you, sorry, I'm, I'm being melodramatic again. Uh, <laughs> the robot trying to hurt you is the automation part, not AI. Uh, AI is just the brain in it. So uh, separate those two pieces. Uh, the phrase I tend to use a lot is machine learning because machine learning is one of many techniques to achieve uh, a higher order intelligence. Um, and, and in machine learning over the last uh, decade, the technique that is the most prevalent driving a lot of the things we're seeing is deep learning, uh, which, is, which is tries to mimic sort of how the human brains and neurons interact. Um, and so normally I say machine learning or deep learning, in which case I am referring to a particular technique to achieve AI. Uh, but generally for people, AI means uh, an artificial intelligence. Uh, they, 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 tend to think it is something that is as smart or smarter than a human. And then there's a separate term, which is super intelligence. Uh, and, and super intelligence is basically intelligence in an entity that is quote unquote, has more processing power than all humans combined. Uh, so super intelligence, artificial intelligence, machine learning, deep learning. I tend to stay with the bottom two. I'll say machine learning a lot. I'll say deep learning a lot because I want to be more precise. That's great. And I, I actually think that is the root of some people's confusion around AI is the difference of inverted commas types of AI. Um, and I think particularly we've now seen the sort of the, the introduction slash rise of generative AI, um, natural language processing, you know, you look at um, speech to text is getting better and better each day. Um, you know, look at robotics. Um, there's kind of all these different sort of fields really within AI 
And so do you think it's important to know these semantics, like to know these definitions and different types, or do you think actually just understanding a broad concept is should be enough? Yeah. So I, if you're a part of the field, um, understanding the difference between somebody says AI or AGI, artificial general intelligence, it's good to know the definitions, right? What's the difference between these two things, especially because, or, or the difference between AI and machine learning. Or, or, or if you actually are somebody who works with machine learning algorithms all the time, it's good to know what the difference between, what's reinforcement learning, what's deep learning, what's counterfactual regression minimization. These are all AI, uh, sorry, machine learning techniques. Um, but if you're not in the field, just knowing that the phrase AI doesn't mean anything is good to know. Just yeah. understand like, hey, nobody agrees on what the definition is. That's good to know. And then recently I wrote a series of newsletters on AI. And I said, the thing you should know when you're talking about AI is I, I created this purpose, I call it the purpose framework. And I say, uh, when somebody starts talking, babbling about AI, you should say, okay, are you talking about AI as a tool, AI as a co-pilot or AI as a muse? And so I, I sort of created these three categories. And I think those three are important to know because it'll allow you to separate the fluff from the reality. So an AI as a tool is me using an algorithm uh, in, a, in a marketing context, for example, to say, uh, oh, look at the customer profiles I have and predict which ones are more likely to churn, leave our business. That's basically, I'm not doing any work. I just told the, AI, uh, the machine learning algorithm, hey, go do something for me. So AI is a tool where the AI is doing everything. It's finding the answer. So what's the weather like tomorrow? I don't really need it that much. The algorithm can figure it out. AI is a tool. The second category is AI as a co-pilot. Uh, and the most common example of this, of course, is GitHub's co-pilot, where I'm writing code and I've got co-pilot next to me and it is helping me write the code faster or write a whole bunch of code for me or just write some functions. But what it's doing is standing along my side and helping me do my job better. So, so what could happen is a, a, a five-year experienced engineer can write the code like a 10-year experienced engineer because he's got this AI co-pilot that's making leaps on his or her behalf. So there's a whole host of uses of AI and co-pilot where it's making us smarter all the time, right? And the last one is AI as a muse, which is um, you go to AI and say, uh, could you make me a squirrel that is a making a leap over two mountains and there's a pigeon riding on its back? And it's like, oh, that's weird stuff, but fine, here you go. And Dali or Midjourney will come back with uh, inspiration for you. Or you're like, oh, I wanna sell these biscuits and I wanna make a campaign. Um, I want a dark background and I want only puppies eating my biscuits uh, and they all should be Dobermans, puppies. And now you, you actually don't have to do the work. The AI as a muse can create a few things and what it gives you a very nice starting point and a new idea, a new dimension for you to then actually do the rest of the work. So uh, I think it's important to understand what you're using AI as because what it does is helps you figure out the use cases, helps you separate the wheat from the chaff, helps you overcome the hype and the bullshit, right? Yeah. And, and have productive discussion. So in a business environment, the moment people start talking about AI, I encourage my colleagues to say, ask them AI as what? And as soon as you say that, you're making that person think a little harder, but it also means you are thinking a little smarter. Yeah, that really helps. I really like that because I think like any type of innovation or new area or something which is maybe a bit more technical than most people are used to it can be overwhelming and yeah. therefore people don't lean into it because it feels out of reach but actually as you were saying yeah if you're in the field and you're an AI professional yeah you should know the semantics but if yeah. you are a digital marketing professional who happens to be using AI understanding that the use cases is a much better use of your time than understanding all the sort of micro subsections of machine learning, for example. So I I really like the way that's kind of approached. And I'll definitely link out in the comments to those um the articles you wrote because I read them. They're excellent. 
so yeah. um, our shadows. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's a great philosophy. Like, how often do you figure out how somebody grows the beans and the potatoes you're cooking? Your job is take the beans and potatoes and make a yummy dish out of it. You let right. let the growing leave the growing to somebody else. Yeah, <laughs> you just right. Go to exactly. And pick up the pick up the vegetables. Yeah. No. And I actually think that is something which in digital advertising is is quite interesting because um, AI has been around for quite some time, but for whatever reason, well, probably through ChatGPT, Bard, Dali, the others, oh, yeah, yeah. people are now leaning in. And you know, whenever that happens, as you mentioned, you do get the hype and the bullshit and people selling it as something brand new. But from your perspective, kind of how long do you think AI has sort of been in and around digital advertising yeah I, I i would say that um the the acceleration is maybe over the last five years i would say so if you actually look back at how google search has evolved over the last few years almost all of it is powered by machine learning right the way the sites are ranked the way it's figuring out how to show the right ad to wayne versus avanash the way it's trying to figure out if you're ready to buy versus something else uh, if you see how advertising delivered on Instagram and Facebook over the last five years, very much machine learning powered. So if you look back about five-ish years, a lot of the advances with machine learning were applied on these large platforms and you and I are just not aware of it. Right. It just happened already in the background. Over the last three years, I started to see normal people like you and I start to use AI in digital marketing or marketing period, right? So uh, like three years ago when I, no, no, four years ago when I started to build the first MMM that I thought will not be based on traditional statistics. I'm going to just pure machine learning for it. So it's two different machine learning algorithms. I started four years ago, finished it like three years ago, and then we'll be using it for three years. Um, and it is the most sophisticated way to understand portfolio level incrementality without letting human bias creep into the analysis. So it's about four-ish years ago. Now, uh, uh, about two or three years ago, you started to see uh, people start to use, the early adopters start to use generative AI. Uh, just like, hey, um, you know what? I'll give the machine uh, five different images, four different copy, uh, three different music streams, assemble it for me in 50,000 ads, right? Or whatever it is. And so you started to see that a few years ago. But the real, real sort of boom, we're in a different place. It's probably a year. That's it. I think it, it's Chat GPT is coming and smacking all of us. It's like, look at my large language model. <laughs> <You know? laughs> the ironic thing is, um, I was still working at Google at the time. And internally, I was using tools at Google that already were advanced than Chat GPT. Uh, but Google just decided to keep them internally. So the internal version of BARD is actually has been at Google for a while. I, I was able to use it while I was there. Um, but what we have to thank OpenAI for is putting it out there in the world with, with pluses and minuses, what is good and bad about it, what it doesn't do perfectly, letting hundreds of thousands of millions of people use it, putting hands of developers where it truly became one of those iPhone app store moment where it's not the core company that's making the magic. It's these hundreds of developers that can go at it and build incredible, amazing things on top of it. That's maybe a year old, like just a year. We are, it's a newborn baby, especially the way LLMs um, are, are, are becoming smart. And, and we're just figuring out over the last, publicly, we're just figuring out over the last year how an LLM trained on dataset X can actually do things in against dataset Y in such a smarter way. It's, it's very, very new. Now, the problem, Wayne, is, Every marketer now is AI powered. Every agency yeah. has 50,000 solutions. And then the, I, I, the thing that makes me sad over the last six months is they're like, uh, we make AI powered coffee. I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> I, I think we're, we've gone a little overboard over the last six months. I, it'll correct itself, that hype cycle. Um, but but in, in reality, in digital marketing, Platforms have been doing this for about five-ish years, where they just put all these features and things out there. We just didn't know it was all based on machine learning. And over the last year or two, the rest of us have started to do very interesting things. But we are so early into this game, mm. so early. 
And and if we can just build on that, because I find it interesting, the sort of open AI approach versus sort of the private corporate approach. So where companies are building their own solutions on their own data internally. And then you have the open approach, which is, as you mentioned, thousands of developers building applications in all sorts of directions. Um, Can you, can a company use both? Or do you have to double down on one? Where do you think, where do you see that sort of going longer term, the openness versus the closeness of it? I mean, if you look at the history of humanity, I think what will, in the tech area, which is like 100 years old, so history of humanity, 100 years, not 1.5 <laughs> billion. <laughs> Who cares about dinosaurs or the, the caveman or whatever it is? <laughs> um, I think what we have seen repeatedly happen is there'll be a dominant private closed platform that will be very big, and there's going to be a dominant open source platform, Android versus Apple, Mac OS versus Windows. I think we've seen this again and again and again, and my hypothesis is you're going to end up seeing this with, uh, with um, uh, machine learning algorithms as well. Is we'll end up in a scenario where companies are using proprietary systems, building products off that. They sell this a closed environment, like, like a Google, for example. And there are companies like OpenAI that are going to be like, well, we're going to be the, the Android version. We build the core. It's out there. Let people right. build on top of it. And then we'll figure out a monetization model that's very different. So um, I think we'll end up in that kind of a scenario. But what is, what, is, um, what is extraordinary about LLMs in particular that, that I am sort of blown away by is um, there won't just end up being two big companies kind of approach. I, I think that, that, so for example, Facebook strategy is very interesting because Facebook uh, was a very early contributor to the machine learning AI ecosystem. They put a lot of their stuff actually out in public and deserve enormous amounts of credit for it. Unlike other tech companies, they actually just put everything out in open source. Um, and um, what people have managed to do on top of Facebook's releases is to me fascinating, the kind of ideas. And, and I, my hypothesis is that like a few very big companies are gonna get built on top of that. Like not just like a little Android developer game thingy bullshit, like some big thing is gonna get built on it. With OpenAI, we're already seeing high, super high valuations in companies being given uh, where, what are you doing? Well, underneath everything is powered by CPT. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but there's a very big company built on top of it. So, but I believe what might be different is a lot of really big companies are going to end up building it. Versus, in in contrast to Apple vs Google on the phones, right? It, it, yeah, I think many more will get built because of the size of the problems you can solve on top of the machine learning algorithms is extraordinary. Just if you just look at how people are using ChatGPT four from doing ter- transcriptions for doctors. And, and their diagnosis, so saving doctors two hours a day, to, to using eye scans to not only detect diabetic retinopathy, but to figure out seven more diseases you might have. It's just so many more things are being possible that uh, uh, I think we'll still end up with a closed and open kind of thing. But on top of open, very, very big companies in different industries are going to get built, which will be new, I think, for the ecosystem. One of the things that I find interesting on this particular debate is where does regulation come in? Um, uh, so, yes, yes. so if it becomes you know, one like, you know, an apple of AI, like, <laughs> well, who controls what they can and can't do from like competition perspective and, um, you know, user data. And similarly on the open side, it's like, well, you know, who who decides which. So, yeah, I, I think I, I think I agree with you. I think I see it going um sort of both ways and lots of opportunities for sort of customer facing platforms and products and solutions but also for businesses and that's kind of what i wanted to lean into next really is you know obviously this podcast is around digital advertising how how do you you know thinking about ai within the context of digital advertising like what's exciting like which which where do you see which is like ah oh, this is really cool. I'll I'll sort of lay out uh, in, in the series of things that that we tend to do sequence. Uh, one of the things I'm super excited is uh, Wayne. Uh, in all the analysis that I've done across the top hundred companies on the planet, 
it turns out that the creative you're using in your advertising has about 60-ish percent of contribution to success. Just the creative, not the targeting and the frequency and the platform and the publisher. Actually, just the creative. So I'm actually really excited about a whole bunch of solutions I'm playing with that are using machine learning algorithms to figure out if you have a good creative. Because if I can figure out that I'm putting a winning creative in market, which has 60% contribution to success, then the chances my campaign is going to win big are very, very high, right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm really excited at these machine learning. I just looked at one yesterday. And you can just give them a piece of creative. It's got this large language model behind it. It's learned what makes a winning creative from the results of actual campaigns. And it can predict up front how likely it is that this particular piece of creative is, is uh, going to win or not. And then it also actually gives you diagnosis saying, oh, these are, you're missing brand resilience. And then it defines what it is and tells you what it is. So I, I'm actually really excited about uh, how the applications of machine learning on, on helping us make better creative because creatives are usually ego stuffed. Sometimes yeah. creative directors sees the world a particular way and they like brown dogs and they refuse to have babies in the ads. <laughs> oh, no, no, whatever, right? They all have their personal little quibbles. And, and the fact that we can bring uh, more intelligence into that, I'm really excited about. So the creative director is still important. We add more intelligence to it. The end product is better. So I'm really excited about that. The, the second one is you see like how much time Wayne we spend on figuring out Oh, I believe the, the right person for my product is a woman, uh, 18 to 34, whatever, uh, who lives in this and goes shops here, eats this food. Like we spent so much time doing psychographic analysis to understand who my audience is and who should see my advertising. And, and the problem is that all of that really is a discernment of intent. Like so two people both make a million dollars a year one may never, ever buy a Mercedes-Benz car, ever, no matter what you do. And the other one, because the, this person wants a Prius, and they're like, I want a small car. I'll never, ever buy a, this car. Or, or there's another person who makes the same million dollars, looks the same man, same age, whatever, roughly lives in London, whatever. Um, but they will never buy a car in their entire life. And, and so the, the thing that's missing in advertising, even as we struggle to do audiences, is intent, intent. That can we understand behavior enough to understand the intent to realize, ah, Wayne likes to wear, uh, uh, the, I, it's like a sort of joking example, right? Oh, Wayne likes to wear women's underwear and uh, because he finds them comfortable and he's the same as Avinash. Now, these two are men. They will never see women's underwear's ads, but we love wearing women's underwear. So, so the intent is missing. And now, if, if, you, if you're working with digital platforms in particular, um, they're not actually telling you to define your audiences. They're not telling you to give them psychographic demographics. They're just saying, give us the ads, tell us the outcomes you want. We will figure out your audience and intent. And I'm actually really, really excited about using vast amounts of data that, you know, the big data hype that might actually become real now. Yeah. Because a human yeah. is not analyzing it, a machine. A, 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 a algorithm is analyzing at scale. And by the way, they can analyze hundreds of variables and hundreds of coefficients and analyze data at a scale that Wayne, you and I can never do. So I'm really excited about the fact that we can uh, do ad targeting based on intent without necessarily doing all that rigmarole around age and demographics and psychographics and profiling people, right? So that's yeah. the second I'm, um, I'm, I'm sort of super excited about. And, and I'll, I'll just put the last piece together. So you've got the creative, you've got your targeting an audience, and then the last one is measurement. And so, you know, we are all sick of data pukes, right? You don't want to open Google Analytics and figure out which of 18 reports to look at, right? And Google is <laughs> a great tool, and I, I was a part of that team, so much love to the team and the tool. Um, but what, what is being possible today that was not possible 10 years ago is being able to figure out how we can uh, understand performance in a way that you log into a tool vein and we're able to tell you, these are the three things you need to know. These are, don't worry about the 80 reports. We've actually analyzed all the data. We found the things that are three standard deviations of the mean or more and go take these actions. So we're, we're not quite there yet, but I'm really excited about the application of machine learning 
to, to move people away from data pukes to understanding just the actions to take. So those are three sort of clusters around digital marketing's influence of AI. There's lots of other examples, like we just built a tool vein in our uh, uh, company crowd um, that is doing content generation using APIs we built into ChatGPT4. So better for our SEO, website content, et cetera. So there's lots of other use cases too, but these three big clusters are the ones that uh, stand out for me. Yeah, I love it. I mean, you know, when you sort of think through those three, like hugely disruptive to some of the existing processes that exist and people's, you know, um, roles within those processes. But I think ultimately the companies which find the best way to leverage, you know, machine learning AI within those processes it creates huge competitive advantage. You know, if if 60% of the reason ads work is due to the creative, well, if you commit your creative like 20, 30% better your competitors, then that is a huge opportunity to make your ads and gain share of wallet. So uh, that's what I get excited by is the sort of the 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 ability to apply it and and, and maximize what you do with it. I mean, it's really exciting. And, and I I remember reading a post of yours a while ago. So it's similarly linked to this because it stuck with me because you spoke around how you expect to see businesses invest in kind of AI armies. So within these these big conglomerates, huge companies, they start to have teams or a function across teams which are focusing on AI tests, incubating them, rolling them out. How have you seen that sort of develop? Do they exist? And if they didn't, do you think now they will because of what we've seen in the past year or so? First thing is, they're not going to have a choice. I, I bet I can say that today. Not when I wrote my post, then I was still being sweet and saying, please, please, consider <laughs> doing this because I'm seeing the future and I think this will be very important, so on and so forth. So my tone was very polite. And now I would say, you don't do it. You're, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, you don't have a choice. So um, the, 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 uh, at that point, we were at the stage where I could see what's coming. And I said, hey, get ready to do these things. But what's happened over the last year, Wayne, that I think I didn't expect enough. So I wasn't right about this. Is I hadn't realized that rather than having to build so much by ourselves, innovating in this area, we would just have massive options lying out there in the open source. And all we have to do is worry about application somebody else will do the development. At the time, I was thinking, we'll have to do both. But yeah. what has changed in the last year is, Wayne, this is really true. Literally anything I can dream of right now, I want to do, there's an algorithm already that I can start with. Like, it's just there. I just have to go use it. So my time to market is way faster. And it's also more fun because I don't have to worry about the nitty-gritty of building the thing. Uh, for example, uh, I'm just working with a client where we want to do personalization on their website, right? A simple problem. In the past, I would have to build every goddamn thing, right? Now, what we're doing is we're using a product called Amazon Personalize. Literally, cloud-based offering is the same thing that personalizes Amazon's own experience. And they now just rent it to anybody. <laughs> so, it's already there. I don't have to build anything. I have to figure out how to understand my business enough, my customers enough, my data enough, so I can actually implement that uh, on my website, let, the, let Amazon invent the thing while I go to market in three months what I might have taken three plus years to do. This, this shift that there's just so much in the market to begin with, so your time to market is way, way faster. Uh, I'm surprised personally at how fast it has happened. So I was, I was wrong about having to do both pieces. Um, I think I should do one piece, the more fun one, which is actually building things. Yeah, I love it. I mean, when I first, um, when I was in my teenage years, I was quite into building websites. And in the early days, you had to learn HTML code and you had to be able to kind of write it in Notepad. And then you <laughs> saw, then we saw things like Dreamweaver by a company called Macromedia, who, who you could then just log yeah, into yeah. the software and drag things about. And now you get things like Squarespace and Wix, where it's already built. I think that evolution you'll see, and I think it means that the like, actually utilizing AI machine learning just isn't as going to be as hard as people probably once thought. And that's basically making it accessible just means that if you have the idea, you don't have to worry about, oh, but I, do, I can't code. So how can I do a test case? It's like, well, you don't have to, to see what's yeah. available kind of already. 
Exactly. In fact, Vane, it can be even more fun. So as a marketer, I'm, I'm not the person who builds creative in my company. I'm, I'm the analytical strategic marketer. Uh, I don't have skills to be creative. But, but the cool thing is, I was just thinking of an idea the other day. I said, oh, actually, this is a good way to build these display ads. I was thinking about display ads. You know what? I went to Microsoft. I opened the, the Dolly interface in Microsoft. So anybody can do this. And I just said, uh, seen in Tokyo, person standing on the side in an anime style. And uh, I just typed the prompt. And it came back with four options. And I was like, ooh, the third one looks like it would make a great display ad. And I said, oh, now add this product to this image, blah, blah, blah. But basically, I'm, I'm just a marketer. I am not the creative person. But even I can, all it takes, Bing.com. <laughs> Bing.com. Mm. And I can actually start building some creative. Not, not that there'll be the final creative, but it helps me communicate to my creative team a little better, saying, this is what I meant by my words. I've actually visualized some of them. And it's as easy as going to Bing.com. So the, the, the fact that you can expand your role a bit, you, you can start using these tools in new and interesting ways, you can visualize your ideas by yourself. I'm giving an example of image. You can do this to video. You can do this to anything. That makes our job a lot more fun, right? Right. I, I love how natural language is the code because natural language is the thing that we use all the time to talk to each other. And now it's like, well, I can create visuals. I can create videos using natural language forms. I mean, yeah, things like that are fascinating. And, um, but on the flip side, one of the things yeah. which you wrote about recently was, um, if this, if everyone be becomes an AI expert, so say CEO of a company goes, let's do this using AI, they can become this really big kind of opportunity cost when you spend a lot of time chasing something or, or trying to do something versus the, op the actual opportunity itself. And you can see in businesses how that could happen, right? The CEO just has this idea one day in the shower and goes, ah, oh, let's do this with AI. And then everyone swims off and does it, but actually doesn't really yield. So how do, how do companies kind of, when AI becomes so present and people are just way more aware of it, how do you ensure that you're sort of focusing on the things that can really make a meaningful difference? Right. Look, there, there is no substitute to smart strategy. Like, there's just no substitute. You, 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 you have to know the purpose of your company. You have to know what the big things you're solving for. You have to still know your KPIs. I know it sounds boring as crap, but you have to know that, <laughs> hey, we're trying to move market share. We're trying to increase revenue by 50% or whatever it is, right? Those things remain important. It's just that companies that don't have their purpose defined clearly, they end up wasting a lot of time, right? So, so, so I, there's no substitute to that. There's no substitute to that today. There's not going to be any substitute to that tomorrow because AI is just, uh, you know, a, a, a tool, uh, a muse, a co-pilot. You have to know what the right way to apply it because you end up making wrong choices. There's these two sort of really interesting things to think about, um, assuming that you don't have purpose and you have a loud vocal CEO. We're not going to say that's Luke Smith. Luke is very wonderful, right? No, Luke, if you're listening, this wasn't, this wasn't with you in mind when we were doing this. <laughs> <laughs> um, we both love Luke. But, you know, like a CEO could say, go do, the, go do some AI thing or go do this particular AI thing. The first thing is um, having people in the team, not quite an AI army, as I had said, uh, but having a few people who understand the field, understand the reality, understand what's at the edge versus what's still being sort of very early stages, it, it will help whittle down the idea. So that's what happens at Crowd. Luke has an idea, Richard has an idea, John has an idea, Audrey has an idea. And we have enough people in the ecosystem of the leadership that we can process, evaluate pretty quickly and say, ah, actually, this is still uh, vaporware. Um, this actually has a lot of promise and so forth. So that having some people inside that are knowledgeable is good. Let's say you don't even have that. So you have no purpose, clarity. You don't even have people. So CEO, CEO yells and, you know, 20 people are off chasing that post. Uh, one, of the, one of the wonderful things I've, I've found about machine learning is um, unless you're starting from scratch, which now is a bad strategy because there's so much out there in the open source, um, the rate at which you will learn and fail and learn and succeed is actually pretty fast. It doesn't take you like months and months and three years later, you're like, oh, this is crap. No, actually, it probably take you like less than three weeks. So 
the fact that we can pilot so quickly, we can prototype so quickly, um, we can we can try different things on GPT-4 or one of the hundreds of algorithms that are out there. It means that the prototyping phase is pretty fast. You don't even have to be a deep, profound, sophisticated user of whatever, right? From a journey on your Discord server. It's, you know, it, it's a little bit of effort, but not that much. So the fact they can prove things out at, at a higher pace, because there are so many open source options out there, means that even if you are, end up chasing a ghost, it doesn't take you quite as long to figure out that was a ghost. Now, a few years ago, it might have taken you a whole year to figure it out. Now you're probably doing it in three months. In, in, a, in next year, Rain, probably two days. <laughs> yeah. So, so that is what is exciting about it. Um, in the past, when we had to build everything from scratch, it just took you a lot longer to realize you're chasing your ghost. Yeah, I, yeah, I think the sometimes the fail fast mantra can get a bit tiresome, but actually, uh, it does kind of work if you can sort of set out what you're trying to achieve and try and can't achieve it, move on. I think that that's good advice. Um, um, do you want to touch on the awkward topic of will AI replace human jobs? <laughs> you know, we have <laughs> we'll have a, particularly particularly in digital advertising. You know, we have obviously all of our listeners you hope are human beings who have a job or try to get a job and and maybe there are there maybe there are some concerns out there around it so how, how do you see sort of ai and humans kind of coexisting within digital advertising like does does one win out does it augment like what are your thoughts on it so we'll go back all the way to the start right ai is a tool that is literally a replacement of a human so if if you don't need reporting anymore. There are people in your company that are creating reports and you may not need them anymore because the, the algorithm you're applying is smart enough to tell you what to look at. You don't have to go hunt and pack and hunt and pack and hunt and pack. So there are several applications of AI as a tool where literally the human is just waiting for the output to come back. Um, that might potentially eliminate a few jobs. But, but the most interesting thing about that to keep in mind is all of those are mundane, repetitive tasks. So do you really want humans doing them? This is low value. They're not having fun. They're not having fun. They're yeah. not getting paid enough. And, and so it, it's like a, it's an okay junior existence, but after two weeks of a new graduate, they're like, oh my God, this is terrible. So, yeah. so far, at least AI as a tool where there's a complete elimination is, is uh, it's a very small percent. Uh, and, and it happens to be for now at least roles that tend to be in digital marketing or marketing itself, uh, repetitive rote things, which nobody's enjoying them anyway. Now, if you think about AI as a muse and AI as a co-pilot where there is an explosion of possibilities, humans are not getting replaced. In, in many ways, they're getting augmented or extended, right? Augmentation in case of co-pilot, extension of imagination as muse in AI as a muse. So, so in that sense, I, I don't really see um, AI replacing things. So uh, an AI is going to maybe mean that we need um, fewer people who prototype visual designs, because I could use mid-journey for some of that stuff. But it does mean we need people, more people to imagine more complex things, which the AI isn't good at, take into account ambiguity or real world experiences or, or all of these things. Um, so I, I don't see an, uh, you know, a mass bye-bye for marketing professionals of all types, because marketing is a very complex field. Um, I see uh, a lot of excitement by making roles more meaningful, uh, more imaginative um, uh, in the marketing field. So for example, right now, if uh, I was just in a meeting and the creative director came up and they had four or five, six ideas, and you know, somebody else had four or five, six ideas, of that, given the expense, we could only visualize a prototype three or four. So it's very expensive. But I was like, oh, let's use generative AI. I could visualize all 20 of them. And, and you know, you don't have to kill anything. Like you don't have to kill, yeah. you know, 17 of them to do three. You're like, no, it's cheap. Let's do 20 of them. There's something else might spark my imagination. So a lot of times, this is one small example. I see an explosion of that. And I, I see marketers doing roles where we uniquely as humans can add value uh, for the next couple of decades that machines still won't be good at, right? So I'm, I'm, not, I'm not yet a believer that over the next five years, there is a possibility that 
marketing is so automated and intelligent end to end that you don't need humans anymore or, or you need a tenth of the humans. I, I don't think so. Um, I think humans will do more fun work, more enjoyable work, um, more, more work that is strategy and complexity and gaps in data. And look, humans are weird. Marketing to humans is hard. <laughs> humans are yeah. weird. And, <laughs> and machines so far haven't figured out how weird humans are. So we're going to still need other humans to help us build amazing companies. Love it. Yeah, I, I've had a two crazy in over the next five years. It's, it's one of the sort of big existential world questions, but specifically in digital marketing, it's going to be interesting how it plays out. And uh, yeah, excited to see that. Um, yeah. I think sometimes when we're talking about AI, as I said in my intro, like it can feel a bit out of reach. Um because uh, lots of people you know particularly aren't necessarily massively technical or analytical so if someone's listening and they're like well how do i get started with this like wh- where do you recommend they go like, where can they learn more or, or try things yes so first thing is use the most obvious solutions available so bard.google.com um, let's say you're thinking about a vacation just use bard my my, my daughter is currently in china and her she wanted to start planning that vacation a few months ago. Now, given that she's a software engineer, so um, <laughs> a little more technical. But what she did is she went to Bard and she said, I would like a vacation for two weeks along the Silk Route in China for under $5,000 or something like that. And it came back with an amazing itinerary, like, like in seconds, right? Now, now, that's just somebody easy access to this tool or... or Actually, type this query to say, what are five ideas to build better creative using machine learning? Type that into board. <laughs> so it's easy to use. I'm a big fan of Bing. Go to GPT interface they have built as well as the interface with Dolly. I'm using Dolly and Bing all the time to visualize my ideas. And it is amazing at it. I'm using GPT-4 all the time for all kinds of questions. So the, the fastest way to start is to use the most obvious solutions, which is Bard with Google and GPT and Dolly with Bing. They're very, very good. You don't have to worry anything except open a URL and start typing away. Any, if your child asks you to, to do their homework for them, use GPT-4. It's way more efficient. Yeah. <laughs> so just start, uh, start exploring there. And then um, if you have slight technical bent, um, Go find a Discord server. Uh, go start your own. Uh, put Midjourney on it. It will blow your mind what you can do with Midjourney. Uh, by the way, uh, let's link this in show notes, please. Uh, midjourney.com slash showcase. I love the Midjourney showcase. It's a web page where they, they show in a rotating basis every few hours the latest and greatest creations of people who are using Midjourney. Wayne, it will blow your mind. Like, I can't believe how good the output is and how smart humans are at being able to do these things. Uh, so f- for, for me, starting points are these obvious ones. If you want to action machine learning in your campaigns, figure out how to use smart creative in Google. Figure out how to use Advantage Plus in Facebook. That's all using machine learning. In fact, you could say it's using AI, right? So, so that's a very good way to get into it. Um, and and if, you, if you really want to start building, developing things on top of it, then, of course, find an engineer, software engineer inside your company and, and have them do something special for you. But it's important that in order for you to infuse yourself with knowledge, Bard, GPT, Dolly are at your disposal at google.com and bing.com. Start there. Simple, fast. Awesome. We'll, we'll add some links to the show notes so the listeners, you'll be able to go to the um, the show notes section and click out um, after the podcast has finished. So coming to the end of the discussion, it's been great and this covers so much. Um, and one of the things we're doing on the podcast this year is because there is so much change and I know the word transformation has been overdone endlessly <laughs> over the years. But it does feel like there's a lot of transformation. Um, how do you think digital advertising is going to be transformed by AI in the next 18 months? Like, What do you think are the, sort of the key areas? And what should people look out for? So my, 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 uh, my uh, anticipation is that uh, the, uh, I'll look at it from the view of the consumer uh, rather than the marketer. So my expectation is if we continue the progress we're making with machine learning as marketers, 
what our consumers will experience is increased relevance of advertising that they're seeing, less spray and pray and annoying the hell out of you, less creepiness, right, that people say sometimes happens with some types of digital advertising, and, and, and um, uh, deliver understanding of your intent are far better. So I'm hoping that ads will become info snacks. It's not just an ad to interrupt you, but like a little, little bonbon, a little info snack that you serve your right moment exactly when you need it. And it changes every day, it changes all the time. It's not the 17th stupid ad for a blender you've seen <laughs> in the tag, right, or this week. So, so from consumer experience points, that's what I'm seeing. From a marketer standpoint, I'm, I'm hoping for two things. One is I'm hoping for unleashing the creativity with generative AI, both of text and with visuals, video or images. So that's what I'm expecting in the next year-ish timeframe. And the second one is I'm expecting us to make smarter decisions because we're handing off analytics to machine learning algorithms. At the moment, even if there is a lot of data, it takes a lot of time to get it, to process it, to understand it, action it. I think machine learning algorithms are so much better at being able to understand our data and just Tell us what the heck is important. And we spend too much time hunting and pecking versus actually understanding and activating. I'm expecting that to shift over the next coming period where we'll actually spend our time where it's most useful, which is uh, here's the analysis of what actually happened from a machine. Now let's go figure out how to take advantage of it. So I'm hoping for those kinds of things from a marketer lens. Excellent. Well, thanks a lot, Avnash. I really appreciate you taking the time to come onto the iPod. Um, if people want to find more about you and your work, where can they go to find out more? Oh, just type Avinash into Google. <laughs> well, they can, they, can, they, can, uh, they can sign up for my newsletter, which, which is free and there's a paid version. And I hope everybody will sign up for the paid version because 100% of the gross revenues are donated to charity. So I, I, I write a newsletter to raise money for charity. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Avinash. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Wayne.